I'm going to give you an abbreviated version of what I taught uh, earlier. Um, it's really about uh, types and shadows and symbols and the prophetic. And I want to give just a couple shout outs because we do have a lot of people uh, up and down the coast turning in right now. So uh, give a shout out to our friends on the coast enjoying uh, their vacation. And uh, just two, two states really quickly, Ohio and Missouri. Give them a shout out really quick. Hey, Ben. All right. Praise God. Uh, and there's Humpty. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And we all, uh, you know, we look at falling as coming up short, and sometimes falling isn't coming up short. Sometimes falling is just the Lord allowing the Lord to pick up the pieces in our life again and putting us back together. And don't you know that when they say, I'm not, I'm not medical, but they say when you break something, when it heals, it's stronger. Like it won't, a lot of times it won't break again. And I think that's what the Lord does for us. When, we, when we're truly broken before him and he puts us back together again, we're, we're solid, we're rock solid. We're not gonna break ever again. So uh, really, really great worship, uh, just amazing. I like that new wine uh, song. And so, uh, you know, we, we wanna respect your time. It's summer, but I wanna give you what I feel like the Lord's laid on my heart. And so stand with me, if you will. I know you've been standing, but we're gonna read out of John, the fifth chapter, verses one through six. Uh, we'll read them rapid fire. Got a few things I want to talk about. After this, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades or porches. Within these lay a multitude of the sick, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. Stop there for a moment you need an angel to stir your water today, right now. I just feel like that's God. And, uh, and we need to allow that to happen in our lives. Sometimes we're so dogmatic. Sometimes we're so repetitive. Sometimes we're so habitual. Sometimes we're just so stagnant that we're not allowing, we don't even see the angels in our life working. And you need to allow the angels to stir the water in your life. Then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up, recovered from whatever ailment he had. One man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Father, we thank you that you've already visited us. So Father, we pray, Lord, you open our hearts and minds and thoughts and ideas today just to receive what you have for us. That as we walk through, Lord, just the simplicity of the scriptures, Lord, that you would show us, Lord, what you have. Thank you, Father, Lord, for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody in agreement said, amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Let's, let's visit for just a minute. I want to go back to uh, John 5, 1, and then 2. After this, a Jewish festival took place. That's the Passover. There's symbolism in these first couple verses that we have to uh, attack really quickly, because when we read the Bible, uh, we sometimes read just the story and like that was really cool 2,000 years ago, I believe it can still happen today. I believe that things, things happen through us that the Lord's created within us, this power by him that we can lay our hands on the sick and they shall recover and be healed. And yet we walk around with all this power or potential power, we refuse to use it, okay? And it's weird for some people and some people have kind of freaked other people out by it, but simply the angel coming down and stirring the pond, the pool, that's it's kind of weird in itself, yet we believe it. We read it. We say, praise God. And yet God wants to do that today. 
And he wants to do that through you, and he wants to do that in you. And so this Jewish festival was the Passover, and the Passover always represents deliverance or salvation. And you need to write that down, because if you're in a place of a, where you need deliverance or salvation, it's there for you. And this is why the Bible tells us this, because he's, he's setting us up. Jesus is setting us up through John on how to walk in a deliverance lifestyle. And then he went into Jerusalem. Then verse number two says, by the sheep gate. I'm going to talk about the sheep gate here in a little bit because it's mentioned here for a specific reason, but it's mentioned here for a reason because the Lord wants us to go back into detail on what some of these gates mean. Then he, there is a pool, so the pool is called Bethesda, which is the house of mercy, by the way. Bethesda means the house of mercy, and so as the house of mercy, that's what we need to be. We need to be a house of mercy. We need to be a house that, that allows people just to start to become. Maybe they belong before they belong believe. And pastor, what about that person? And how can you let that person in? You know, Jesus lets everybody in. And then he starts to sort them out. It's not our job to sort people out. It's our job to incorporate and bring them in. Just keep bringing them in, Lord. Just keep bringing them in. Let us be a house of mercy. There's the pool called Bethesda, which has five colonnades or five porches. And I said this morning, five porches. And someone thought I said five Porsches. Well, uh, there's no Porsches in this particular part of the Bible. Five porches, which is five is the number of grace. And grace is what the Lord walked in, full of grace and truth. He had unlimited measure and favor. And so we have to walk in the measure of grace. We have to allow this place to be a house of mercy, but then we also have to allow this uh, opportunity for grace to exist. So when we walk in that, then the Lord will show us things that he has force and is bringing us into. So let's go back to the sheep gate for a second because there's two walls that are really mentioned prominently in the scripture. The first wall is the wall of Jericho. Everybody remember the wall of Jericho? Oh, Joshua walks around. The Bible says that Joshua has to, uh, and his troop, his, his tribe, have to walk around the wall of Jericho one time a day for six days, and then on the seventh day, walk around the wall seven times, and then on the uh, seventh time, give a shout out to the Lord. And so the walls of Jericho were very fortified. They were 30 or more feet wide. They would have chariot races on there, but there was one single gate in, okay? And so their strength became their weakness as well. Plus, while the Israelites were walking around Jericho, the, they, they were really sitting ducks. They could have been shot any time by the marksmen that sat on top of the wall. Well, Jericho then, on the seventh time of the seventh day, when the Israelites, what did they do? They yelled out a shout to the Lord, and then the walls fell. Well, the shout of the Lord didn't make the walls fall. Obedience to the Lord made the walls fall. So obedience is simply what, uh, the shout is simply what Jesus, what the Lord told the Israelites to do. Walk around uh, one time a day for six days and then walk around seven times the seventh day and then give a shout to the Lord. And we think sometimes that in our shout, which is true, there is deliverance. And yes, that is true, but it's more so in our obedience. And sometimes we don't like to walk it out. Sometimes we want to just get right to, uh, like if you're a bottom liner for me, you want to get right to the punchline. You don't want to go through the first six steps. Well, if on the seventh day, I got to walk around seven times, let me just walk around seven times now. Let me shout the whole time. The Lord says no for whatever reason, and he has his reasons, and he doesn't always have to share his reasons with us. 
So he says walk around one time, then walk around one time, then walk around one time, do that six days on the seventh day, walk around seven times, and then give a shout to the Lord. So your obedience and a shout will get you delivered. Now, that probably looked pretty silly to those people in Jericho. And it's like, man, look at these guys. They're just walking around in circles and they're going back home. They're walking around in circles and going back home, so on and so forth. And you might look silly to those people in your life that say, well, he just keeps going to church. He's got the same problem. She keeps going to church. got the same problem. They see, keep reading their Bible at break time. They got the same problem. And all of a sudden, one day, you let out a shout and the Lord breaks everything, everything that binds you in your life. That's what God will do. That's the God that we serve. So I would say, just keep being obedient to God. You keep doing what God's called you to do, even if it looks silly to everybody else. You walk in obedience, the rest is up to God, right? If you walk in obedience, the rest is up to God. So that's the wall of Jericho, and we know it fell. We know uh, that the people of Jericho came to this end, so to speak. And then the next wall, a big wall that we're going to talk about, is the wall that Nehemiah rebuilt around Jerusalem. And that wall had uh, 12 gates. It had three on each side, north, east, south, and west. So three gates on each side of the, the walls that Nehemiah rebuilt. The one thing I read in Nehemiah and the gates that we're going to talk about, if you need reference, it's Nehemiah, the third chapter, the 10th chapter, and the 12th chapter. Most of the gates are in the third chapter. But if you read Nehemiah, the third chapter, it's the coolest thing in the world that it just hit me last night when I was reading through my message again on Saturday nights. Janie and I kind of uh, quiet down, and uh, she goes and does her thing, and I do my thing, and I'm, I read through everything one more time, and it's really fresh, and I read here in Nehemiah the coolest thing, that where they were building the wall, okay, in the land of Canaan, which basically is where Jericho was, where they were building the wall around Jerusalem, the people that God had Nehemiah help rebuild the wall were people from Jericho, now I think, wow, in of myself, that, that's astounding. And then this prophetic word comes to me, tell the people that God is using people that they don't like or have mistrusted or have been dealt badly by to actually be a blessing to them in time to come. So that's a word for somebody right here. You've been mistreated by somebody, God's gonna use them to bless you. Just like he did there with Nehemiah. So the, the wall came down. Yeah, give it up for the Lord, because that's a good word. God, God is so cool. I started smiling. It's like, this, God, you're so cool. You use people that they had a fortified city, those walls dropped, that when you wanted to build, they actually helped you build them. Now think about that. How cool is that? People in your life. People in your life that have abused you, misused you, treated you poorly. God's going to actually use to bless you, to benefit you, and to build you up in some way, shape, or form. Isn't that cool how God works? Well, there's different gates, and the first one is the sheep gate. And if you're writing, taking notes on a mobile device, the, the worship guide or whatever, write these down. The sheep gate represents salvation. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said. He hears you. He hears you. He, he, he hears you calling in the nighttime. He knows your early morning cry out, your early morning prayer. He's not left you, abandoned you, or forsake you. He's right there. And the sheep gate is, represents that, this, this method of salvation, which we know is Christ, Lord, our Savior. The next gate is the fish gate. It's the action gate. My, uh, Jesus says, from now I'll make you fishers of men. It's an action gate. I don't like to fish. I used to fish when I was younger at Hitchcock Park. There was a, a pond. Janie knows 
knows where it's at. We would drive by. We would go up there when we were younger, and I'd throw in my little pole, my Zebco 202, and I would catch a, a small uh, bluegill, and we would take them home, and, and our neighbor friend would, would fry them up for us. And I wasn't much of a fisherman. I, did, I probably uh, had that form of uh, just, it was just, I couldn't sit there that long. It was just, just wasn't fun. But I like to fish for men. I feel like that's what we're doing maybe in Hickory and the surrounding areas and Cherokee. Maybe that's what we did in, in Africa. And the Lord wants us to be fishers of men. He wants us to fish for people, and in order to do that, the, 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 the great thing is maybe you put a certain bait on the, the line, but when you cast it in, just about any fish can, can latch onto that. So we don't pre-qualify what type of fish we're after. Like I know some churches that will do that, what they call redline, they'll only plant campuses in well-to-do areas. Like, I thought everybody, I thought like, I thought like everybody deserved the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or they won't, they'll only go certain places for mission trips. Now, I'm not knocking them. That's between them and God. But I feel like the gospel's for everybody. The gospel's for all people that we should preach and we should go for all people. And so there's an action gate. But listen, if we're for all people, then we need all people to be for all people. We need everybody here that can go out into the highways and the byways. The third gate is the, uh, the old gate. It's the gate of redemption. We all have a past. Who, who, who here doesn't have a past? Okay, then you, must, you have to be less than like six months old, right? If you don't have a, have a past. We all have a past. We all have, we all have things that we need to be redeemed from. That's that story of amazing grace. Listen, we, we all need grace. We all have flaws. We all have things that the Lord is continuing to redeem us from. We all have things that were just, and Humpty Dumpty was full of pieces. And you might feel like your life was, is full of pieces or just completely shattered. It is God who will bring that back together for you. And he does that in his redemptive way. He repurchases us. He repays us. There's this redemptive gate. Gate number four then is the valley gate. It's the gate of humility because sometimes we're going to walk through a valley in our life. Okay, everybody on the mountaintop, when, you know, you just made the big sale or you, you scored the, the, the winning run, you, you know, marriage is, is perfect, you just went on the best uh, trip of your life, you went to Paris or Munich or London or all of them, you know, you went all these things, and it was paid for by somebody, that's beautiful, I mean, those are storybook things, but every now and then, then uh, reality comes back in and you're walking through a little bit of a valley, and a valley, uh, if you look at the valley the right way, the valley becomes a gorge, and the, the sides of the walls are beautiful mountains, and you just start to look up because it causes us to be humble. It causes us to walk in a spirit of humility, and when you walk in a spirit of humility, that's where God deals with you best. See, a proud and haughty spirit comes before a fall. And by the way, I need to give a shout out. I kind of dissed them a little bit to In Your Home. Great furniture store. Great, great people. They, they do a wonderful job. And they allowed us to use this for the month. And we'll use other stuff too now that we know that they deliver for us and pick back up. That's really, I bless you guys. So uh, Humpty Dumpty, you can purchase him after this series is over with. If you want, uh, come talk to me and I'll, I'll give you a, a 10% discount. Huh? Yeah, he's used because he's slightly used. Uh, humility. 
you know, it's not really about us, is it? It's about God working through us. It's about God working in us. It's about us working for God. And so sometimes Alexander III, King Alexander III, of which Humpty Dumpty was written about or after, he took a mighty fall because of a proud and haughty spirit. Saul took a mighty fall because of a proud and haughty spirit. A proud spirit comes before a fall, right? So we understand pride in this. So whenever God does something great through you, make sure you give him all glory, honor, praise, and thanksgiving. Make sure you give it. It's okay to say thanks. If somebody says, man, you look good today. Thank you. Man, you preach good to good. Thank you. If, you. if I don't preach good, don't say anything. <laughs> if you like it, say it, and I'll say thank you. If you love the worship, give the worship team a, a, a hand of applause, say thank you, whatever. But we need to be careful that we don't walk in false humility. Oh, keep talking about me. Keep, keep saying those things. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that great? Oh, that's, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to play it down. No, listen, true humility knows who to give glory to, and that's God. Jesus was the most humble person. Moses said he was the most humble person. Think about that. Moses wrote that he was the most humble person alive. That takes true humility or a lot of ego. But it was the Spirit of the Lord telling him to write that, so he wrote that. Listen, you can be humble and bold at the same time. You can walk in humility, but know your authority at the same time. And if you walk in humility and know your authority, you're going to be a power-packed person for God. God's really going to use you because you know the humility. The fifth gate, I think, is the gate we're going to stick on for just a moment, and that's the dung gate, review and renew. Now, why are you sticking on the dung gate? You know the dung gate. Dung gate is human waste. Well, they had to have a gate in Jerusalem where they got rid of those things, where they expunged those things, where they took them out that gate. And I'm sure that gate was probably pretty smelly. Janie and I had horses back in Iowa. We had a barn. We had seven acres. And I'd walk into the barn, and, and uh, every now and then you'd, you'd smell the horse manure. And it has a, like a southern breeze. You couldn't have the windows open because it... It's dung. The dung is stinky. But Isaiah 58 and 12, and write this down, the Lord says that he'll restore your waste places. You need to know that. Somebody needs to write that down today because he also says that when he restores your waste places, he'll be a repairer of the breach. In other words, he'll use your waste places to repair the breach in somebody else's life because he takes us through things quite often. He moves us through things that we don't want to go through, but once we get through them, we can help other people go through those places. There's waste places probably in all of our lives. I tell a story of um, the palm civet, which is a, um, a tree monkey off the coast of uh, Indonesia in a little island called Sumatra. It's where some of the best coffee in the world is grown. Well, there's coffee called uh, Kopi Luwak, and Kopi Luwak runs about, uh, for the amount this size, about $800. Now, I didn't pay that much for this. This is Kopi Luwak, by the way, but there's about $800 worth of coffee sitting right there, and these coffee beans are really cool. The coffee beans that come from the Kopi Luwak are the finest coffee beans in all the world, supposedly. Cups of Kopi Luwak at bistros in California run about $50 a cup just for a cup of coffee. So that's how impressive and expensive the coffee bean is that makes the Kopi Luwak. Well, the Kopi Luwak coffee bean uh, comes from a really awkward uh, place. It's um, uh, when you go to the island of Sumatra off the coast of Indonesia, there's only a thousand of these coffee beans, a thousand pounds of coffee beans harvested each year. And the way they're harvested is the really ridiculous part of this story because when you, in order to harvest the bean, 
the palm civet, the tree monkey that fits in the size of your palm of your hand, climbs into the, uh, the coffee tree, the bean tree, and it actually eats the bean. And after it eats the bean, it... You know, poops it out. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It releases it. Now, you think your job is bad. But the harvester puts on rubber gloves after the palm civet does its thing and sorts through the poop. Yeah, Nancy, it's a true story. And picks out the bean. Now, I was telling this story at a pastor's conference in Texas in uh, 2006. And when I was telling the story, a pastor had thrown the bean in his mouth before I had told the full story. And when I got to that part, that bean come flying out right back at me. They've tried to roast the bean without it going through the palm civet, and it doesn't taste the same. But after the palm civet eats the coffee bean and wastes it out, and after the harvester sorts through all the dung and feces and stink and smell and grabs the bean and they roast the bean, the finest cup of coffee in the world is made. I want you to think about that for a second because the Bible says in Isaiah 58 and 12, I just quoted that he will take your waste places and he will restore them. And not only will he restore them, he will make you a repairer of the breach. So anytime that we have a dirty, stinky, messed up place in our life that we think is no good and we don't want anybody to know about, sometimes the Lord capitalizes on that and becomes the best place of our life. It becomes a, something genuine. And so after service, if you want, I'm gonna lay these beans out here and you can come up and get a bean for uh, safety keeping or for just a, a reminder that says, you know what, I had some very bad places in my life, but those places didn't break me. They decided to make me. And the dung gate is that same thing. The dung gate represents that there's a renewing, there's a, a reviewing it. Maybe that wasn't such a bad time after all, that maybe that became who we are. My wife and I have had dung places in our life, but there's a reason behind that. And although we wouldn't want to relive some of those places, we're so glad that they happened. Why? Because it made us who we are today. It made our family who we are today. Humpty Dumpty fell apart, but, and the king's horses and king's men couldn't put them back together, but there is one named Jesus Christ of Nazareth who can put you all back together again if you allow him in those waste places that nobody else likes, wants to be a part of, or thinks you're just the worst person in the world because you went through them, all of a sudden they become the most expensive part of your life because what the enemy meant for evil, God turned around and made good come from it. Let's go to gate number six then quickly. And then the fountain gate is the baptism gate. It's the gate where we're filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we are spirit-filled. No, we are not ashamed of it. You need the power of God in your life. Amen? You need everything that God has for you. And Jesus said, I come so that you can have life and you can have it more abundantly, but when I go, I'm going to send what? The comforter, the paraclete, one to walk alongside of you, one who can be your best friend, one who can give you wisdom and knowledge, understanding, counsel, might, and the fear of the Lord. The power of God lies within you. It's our fault if we do not use him. 
It's not his fault because he has sent the comforter to us. Then the next gate is the water gate, the real water gate, rivers of living water that run out of us. John 7 and 37 says, and I will cause rivers of living water to flow out of your belly. Jesus saying that, that's a red letter edition. He he gives us rivers of living water because he wants us to be life givers. We have to be careful that we're not always speaking down to people and down because of people and looking down at people. We have to become life givers. Let me say this. You can do it. You can do it. God has placed it in you to do it. I don't know whatever it is, but you can do it. It will work out if you allow it to. That's what God does. That's what he's good at. The number one, the next one is the horse gate, strength and discipline. I shared a minute ago, Janie had horses and uh, she had a horse named Wonder that I bought for her as an anniversary gift, a surprise anniversary gift. And uh, Wonder was the greatest horse uh, that we could have ever hoped for. He was a beautiful horse. He was an uh, Arabian, right? A white Arabian horse. And, and he was uh, stubborn to the extent of, uh, of non-ownership. Like if, if he knew you didn't own him, he was stubborn. But to Janie, he came running like a little dog in the pasture. And the other horses, if they got in his way, he headbutted them out of the way. He was strong and he was disciplined. He wasn't like that when we got him, but she made him that way. She got him back healthy. She got him back strong. He became very disciplined. And we need to be like that horse where, yes, our spirit needs to be broken at times so that the Lord can build us up with strength and discipline. The weightlifters in this room know this, that you have to break the muscle down before you can build it back up. The Lord has to break us. Did you say yes? Okay, good job. <laughs> good for you. You were first on my mind. You were the one I was thinking of when I said the weightlifters in the room. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. You're, you're, Your muscle has to be broken down. So does your spirit have to be broken down, church. When your spirit is broken down, God can build it back up. He does not want to beat you down. He wants us broken before him. There's a difference. Some parents will beat their child down. That's not good. But no, if you continue to to mold that spirit, they'll become broken. They'll become pliable. Our oldest grandson, Brady, has a real pliable spirit. I'll tell him. I'll say, Brady, thanks for going out to lunch with us. He said, you're welcome. And then two seconds later, well, thank you. Thank you, Poppy, for taking us to lunch. Just a real pliable, just a real innocent spirit. He, he, he wanted to play football, and I told his mom, I'm not sure that's a good thing. The kid's just too nice. It's like, it's, I'm just not sure that's going to work. And whether he plays or not, I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to be there. I'm going to support him. But man alive, he's got a spirit that, I, that, that the Lord's already broken. The Lord's already made pliable. The Lord's already doing something in that young man's heart. And I think we could all take a lesson for some of the younger people whose spirits are already broken before the Lord. Let's go to the next gate, gate number nine, the east gate. It's a new day. Everybody say new day. Listen, the Lord wants to give you a new day, church, a new beginning, a new start. I I like that song I think Israel Houghton wrote way back then. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. It's a new start. It's a new day. And you may say, but I tried that. It doesn't work. No, start believing it. Start believing it's a new day. You wake up tomorrow, start believing it's a new day. You look outside, start believing it's a new day. Our realtor called Janie a couple months ago and, and she said, hey, what, what side does the sun rise on your house? So Janie said, what side does the sun rise on our house? Lisa wants to know, she's our realtor. Um, well, 
I learned this in about the first grade. The sun rises in the east on every house. She needed it for pictures sake and I was giving her a hard time. But listen, if the sun rises on the east, that's the faithfulness of God. And if God's faithful enough to make the sun rise each and every morning, he's faithful enough to say, hey, if you call it a new day, start believing it, it'll be a new day. If you start to walk in a new day and you call that out prophetically, a new day will take place. Amen? Let's go on the gate, Mithcad. That's your assignment gate. That's where they would go for their assignment, their daily duties, their daily chores. Yes, you have assignments from God. It's time now for you to start acting on those assignments. Your, your, your mission is to know what God has for you. And if you don't know what God has for you, your mission then is to pray until God brings clarity on what he has for you. And seasons change, just like they do here in North Carolina. I love winter because you get a good, really good half inch of snow every year. And then spring is here, and spring's longer than four weeks. Four, it's four weeks long in Iowa, spring. But here it's like 12 weeks, 13 weeks, and then you get summer. I actually started, I hate summer. I actually started to miss summer the other day. I was walking in thinking, oh man, summer's almost over. And then I remembered where I was. No, summer here goes till October 15th. That's beautiful. And then you have fall, and fall is the prettiest time of the year where there's trees and beauty, and it's not dying, it's just changing in the colors. You have a new assignment. You may have a new season, but along with that a season, you might have a new assignment. That's okay. That season might be over. Now it's time for a new assignment in your life. The next gate is the gate Ephraim. That's your tribe. That's you and your relationship with the Lord. That's you and your relationship with your family. That's you and your relationship with your church. That's you and your relationship with your community. You have a tribe. And listen, the way we understand tribes is this, they don't turn on each other. Don't turn on your tribe. A true tribal person doesn't turn on their own tribe mate. That doesn't happen. You stick out with each other. You live with each other. You, you, you stand for each other. Now, if someone decides to walk away from the tribe, that's on them. That's not on you as long as you've tried. But it's your tribe, right? Let's go to number 12. We're going to close here in a minute. The prison gate, it's your conviction. Yes, they would have a prison gate. That's where the inmates was. But Paul said, I ye therefore beseech you, brethren, I a prisoner of the Lord. He says it four times in Ephesians. He says it multiple times in Galatians and Colossians. He believed in himself that he was a prisoner. And I think that's the success of Paul. It wasn't his education. It wasn't even his conversion. It was his attitude. I don't own myself anymore. I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we do that, we're very successful. We're very in tune with what God has for us. Okay, let me give you three things. You can write them down. I won't expound on them. The first, uh, first thing is you have to stop complaining and start stirring. This is based on the message that, uh, that I read out of uh, John 5, 1 through 6. Stop complaining and start stirring. Listen, if you'll stir the pot, if you'll stir the pot, if you'll stir the gifts within you, uh, Paul says, stir up the gifts within you. If, if you wait for the angels to stir the waters, ask the angels. If you're just waiting for somebody to do it for you, it's never going to happen. That was the complaint of the men. See, we complain. But in Numbers, the 11th chapter, when the Hebrews complained, God actually rained fire upon them and they died. That's how much God hates complaining. When we complain, we insult God. When we start to stir those things with us, I shared in the first service, I'll share it briefly. Uh, my dad and my wife make the best chili I've ever tasted. And part of why my wife's chili is good is because she uses part of my dad's recipe. When I was young, third grade, fourth grade, I would uh, stir the chili. My dad would make it on Saturdays in the fall. Uh, if you know anything about uh, spaghetti or chili, it always tastes better the next day. 
The seasonings just have to take a time to get in. And so dad would say, Marky, uh, stir the chili every 15 minutes. I'd be watching cartoons or a football game. I'd go in, stir that chili, and then I'd go back and watch. I'd look at the clock, go in. Well, like most third or fourth graders, uh, sometimes I'd forget. And the chili would start to burn. And dad would say from outside, are you stirring the chili? And I'd, oh, man, I could run in and I'd stir, yeah, dad, stir the chili. It smells like it's burning. <laughs> I think sometimes our spiritual gifts are burning with inside of us because we're not stirring them enough. We need to stir our spiritual gifts. You need to stir the things that God's giving you. Stop complaining, start stirring. Number two, Jesus wants to know what you want. He says to the man, in fact, he says in King James, do you want to be healed? And it says here in Holman's, what do you want? I think it's okay to tell Jesus what you want. Lord, I want to be used of you. Lord, I want a ministry of you. Lord, I, want, I need finances in my life. Lord, I need a promotion. I need a blessing. Lord, I want my marriage to work. God, I want that. And really mean it. Say what you want. Stop complaining. Start stirring, stirring and just say exactly what you want. Lord, here's what I'm willing to do. Anything and everything that you want me to do so that my life, my home, my spouse, my job, my church, my community will be successful. Start stirring. And then ask the Lord and speak those things. The last thing as the worship team comes is get up, pick up, and walk. He told the man who was impaired for 38 years. Now, uh, in my version, it was 38 years from birth. But I don't know if that's the case. So I've just given you what my thought is. It could, he could have been impaired halfway through life. I don't know. But it says he was impaired for 38 years. It doesn't say in my version from uh, birth, but I'm thinking it is. So uh, there's a couple miracles here. One, that he gets healed, and two, that he instantaneously learns how to walk. This is how good God is. This is what God can do. Get up, pick up, and walk. But he's also teaching us a lesson, and he's telling us in the same attitude that, okay, you need to get up, you need to pick up, you need to walk. Whatever that means, James, Jesus' brother, said, be doers of the word, not hearers only. It's good that we hear a message. It's here that we hear a, po good, a podcast. It's good that we enter into ama amazing worship. But now we have to be doers of the word. We have to get out there and actually do it. So get up, pick up, and walk. I'm going back just for a second and closing then to the, the coffee bean, the Kopi Luwak. And this is actual Kopi Luwak. This is from the island of Sumatra off the coast of Indonesia. This was harvested by a palm civet and then a harvester. Now I'm going to take one and put it in my pocket because that's what I'm going to encourage you to do after service today. Why? Because there's waste places in all of our lives. And if we know what God can do with the waste places, what he did with the harvesters to create coffee, but we also know what the promise of Isaiah 58 and 12, that he would restore those waste places, that they were not for our breaking, they are simply for our making. Janie and I have been married 38 years now as of Thursday. And but, thank you. And I'd love to tell you all those years were rosy and everything always worked out really great and everything's perfect. But there were some rough patches in that time that I wouldn't want to go through again, but I'm glad we did because when I look at her in the eyes, I see Jesus. I see the love of a father. I see a person that would never leave or abandon. I see someone who loves and cares. I see a mama bear when it comes to the kids and the grandbabies. 
but I can't help believe that it wasn't some of those waste places that caused us to be the people that we are today. And not only does she care about us that way, she cares, and myself, care about you that way. That yes, there might be some filth, some nasty stench growing on some of us. The Lord's gonna flip the script and he's gonna make you sweet smell like a rose coming out of it. Bow your heads, close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here today and you're not ashamed to say, I, I have some waste places in my life or I've, I'm in a waste place right now, I want you to stand right where you're at. Just bold, unashamed. You say, man, I've got some waste places in my life or yeah, yeah, I'm, it's, <laughs> I'm there or I've been there and I'm, I'm standing right along with you. There's nothing to be ashamed of. It ain't like it's, it, it, I'm gonna say this, chances are it may have been ordained by God. It may have been God just saying, man, I, I need you for a big job down the road, so I'm gonna have to allow you to go through this right now. You're gonna stink just a little bit. It's not gonna be pretty and people are gonna talk about you, but dear Lord, once you get through it, your, your coffee's gonna be the highest price in town. Your testimony is gonna be the highest price in town. Your life is gonna be blessed beyond belief. I'm gonna ask everybody else to stand with those who are standing. If you're comfortable doing so, just raise your hands towards heaven in a form of submission. I'm gonna pray. The worship team's gonna close in, in a worship song, and I'm gonna say this, you can do it. Humpty Dumpty fell, but church, let God put you back together. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're such an awesome savior, a deliverer and a friend. Those who stood, God, I pray a special blessing upon them. Lord, as they walk through waste places in their lives, bless our church. Let us be a house of mercy and grace. Bless those who are on vacation and away. Use them, Father, bring them back. Need more inspiration in your life? You don't have to say goodbye anymore. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even our websites by using the links below. Receive live streaming notifications, receive daily encouragement, and stay up to date on the latest information. Follow, like, and subscribe today.